I was encouraged because I was watching a, um, a person that I followed f- for a period of time on financial matters. I just think he's brilliant financially as one of the largest um, uh, publishing of uh, financial newsletters. I think he was the largest, is the largest, something like that. And uh, he encouraged me because he was being interviewed and uh, I wanted to know more about his life, so I watched it. It was a two-hour interview. But uh, he started talking about, because the person was asking him, you know, do people listen to you? He says, well, you know, I have a large following. He says, but most people don't listen. He says, I, I started talking in 2006 and, and I was writing every you know, week or whatever it was uh, on the, the coming real estate collapse. He said, but nobody prepared for him. I told him, you know, the, the real estate market, the uh, derivatives, are all, it's all going to explode. We're going to have a, a huge decline in um, uh, the pricing of uh, houses and you better get your money together because it's going to be a time where you can really make a killing because uh, you're going to be able to buy real estate cheap. And he said very few people listen. Uh, they, they would listen, they would learn, but they didn't prepare. They did nothing with it. And uh, I thought about that and I thought, wow, that, that encourages me because I know there's things that I've been preaching for a long time or warning people about, like even the inflation that we're in. If, if you may, I've, I've been talking about it for two years. Uh, to but probably closer to three years uh, about what we're living in right now, but very few people actually do something to prepare themselves for what's in it. It's because we all listen from our perspective of what we think. This is where I, I continually say you're going to have to allow the Word of God to, to lift you up and don't bring the Word of God down to your level of thinking. Most people bring all information down to their level of thinking and they really think they're smart, even though it's not working. They recycle dumb. And then they recycle dumber. We ought to make a movie about it, Dumb and Dumber. It would be a good title. Yet they think they're still smart. Why? Because we think, we all have a thinking pattern. And it's all producing something in all of our lives. That thinking pattern is very normal to us. It's the way we think. New information sounds wrong. Well, you, you just don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I'm dealing with. You don't understand. No, I do understand. You're stuck. Because there's a way out of everything. And so when we start, I, I, I was thinking about this realm, and, uh, and it just kind of popped in my mind. I never thought of this before. It had been God. But I thought about it in the, the, the term of the economic classes that we have here in the United States. We have the lower class, we have the middle class, we got the upper class. The lower class thinks in the realm of a 24-hour cycle. And you get 20, 20 bucks in your pocket and it's burning a hole in their pocket. They got to spend it on something. I mean, it's like right now, what am I going to do? How am I going to get through the day? They got no concept of tomorrow. Uh, they'll, they'll waste something, you know, uh, they'll, uh, they'll have a, a chicken dinner. And, uh, you know, and it's more chicken than they can eat. And they'll throw it away, not realizing I'm going to get hungry again. I mean, it's just a 24-hour cycle. It's a very, very close-knit element. There's no forethought in what's going to happen. This decision I make, I'm not even going to think about what the outcome is going to be on it. It's just a very, very narrow, uh, yet highly opinionated element of life. Then you move up into the middle class. The middle class, there was a big study done on this. And uh, the middle class, they found uh, something common among all middle class people is they very much had a weekend mentality. I don't know. Somebody probably would even write a song like working for the weekend. <laughs> you know, uh, they, they think about what I'm going to do on Friday. They, they give no real thought to life that, that someday I'm going to be 20 years older than what they are right now. Uh, things could happen. Am I prepared for it? And they don't really build uh, a life. And that's why even the statistics today said that, I can't remember what the number is, but like 60 or 70% of people could not meet a $500 emergency without borrowing money. That's because the, the thought process is very short term. Not as short term as the lower class, but it's very short term. Uh, in that same study, they, they found amongst the upper class that every decision they make, they they think about how will this decision affect me 5, 10, 15 years down the road. They're concerned about their cash flow. They don't, they don't buy uh, liabilities with cash flow. They, they buy liabilities with assets that can pay for it and continue paying for things, and there's a, a total different realm. 
And uh, this is not a financial class. I'm actually talking about spiritual things here. Because in the, in the body or in the, the Christian element, the same thing happens. Those that are in the lower class cannot even look to the word to find an answer. It's how do I get the pressure off of me right now? They make quick, fast decisions and, and don't even glean from the word, won't take time to pray to do it. The middle class are those that they have a little bit further. They'll pray. They got to look toward the weekend mentality. They'll pray, but, but they're not really going to pray until I get an answer. See, the middle class financially, they're going to spend their money on something to satisfy a basically current need. Whereas the upper class is going to look at, I'm going to build my wealth. They're looking out longer. In the spiritual realm, the, the middle class, the kind of the comparison that I'm doing, the middle class of the spiritual realm, they have that same thing. They're not building a life in the, in the spirit. They're trying to get by in life and do as much entertainment as they can, satisfying the flesh and the, and the desires thereof. Whereas the, the, another element of the middle class, spiritually speaking, is they just want to go to heaven. But the upper class, they want to be in the rapture. They want to live a little uh, uh, a different life. That's why on the upper class, you only have maybe 3% of the United States that, that lives at a realm that they have more than enough that they can basically do what they want to. There, there's a mentality in this of how far can I go? And I ask the question, how far can you walk with Jesus? See, and, and the way you're going to answer that is from your current mindset. Some people just want to get pressure off of them. Yet James says in James chapter 1, count it all joy when you walk into various types of temptations because it's going to work patient in you and the production of patience is going to uh, bring you to an arena of wanting nothing. You're going to have everything that you need. But he's talking to upper class people. See, I, I, I could talk to you about, in fact, uh, if, we, if we were doing a financial class, we could start talking about buying assets and most people would say that's too expensive, I can't afford it. But do you know it doesn't matter? I remember mom and dad talking when they bought their first house. Uh, was it three weeks you guys had to, to decide to make the... Yeah, it took them three weeks to decide to pull the trigger on this house because the, the payment was going to be $92. How many had like a rent or a mortgage payment of $92? Okay, but, but they struggled with it because it was expensive. Everything is always expensive no matter what time frame you're living in it. I remember dad talking about the piece of property one time. He had the opportunity uh, to buy a little strip of land there where Sizzler is, you know, Caldwell and Mooney. How many knows that prime real estate? Well, it was out in the country at this time, and I can't remember the amount. It was fifteen or 25000 something like that. And he just couldn't wrap his mind. It was so expensive. Would you buy it for 25000 I mean, because it's probably worth a million or, or something like that, that little cutoff that, that's right in there. See, everything is expensive. Into, in the mind of a person that has a short-term mentality. Everything has value to a person that has a long-term mentality. We'll bring that back over into the spiritual realm. How do we handle the things of God and what do we look at and what are we willing to pay to walk in the things, uh, uh, the things of God? Now, we're going to start off here in the book of Romans. So go ahead and turn to, to Romans. Thank you. One person ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've messed everybody up already. The, don't raise your hand or anything, but the, the number goes really high if you talk about a $1,000 emergency. Can you come up with $1,000 without, um, without uh, borrowing it? See, if we can't, there's a problem. Stewardship is so important in the things of God Let me try to see if I can say that a different way. Stewardship, which is not just money. Stewardship is how you handle your time, how you handle your money, how you handle your uh, actions, how you handle yourself. All that stewardship. It's funny how many people, they don't want to deal with that, but they want to talk about their spirituality and how spiritual they are. Okay, let's go to Romans <laughs> chapter 10. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Now, again, I keep, I keep uh, drilling this point in. Does saved mean getting born again? No, it means getting delivered, which includes born again. 
It's a bigger picture. Paul's saying that his heart's desire and his prayer is that all of Israel gets saved, completely delivered. For I bear them record. Now, now he's talking about, he, he says, I'll bear record of this fact, that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. You and I can be excited about God and never walk in the knowledge of, of salvation. Because salvation is deliverance. Now, you'll never get into salvation without getting born again, but, but born, uh, salvation encompasses every arena of life. Now, why would a person that has the opportunity set before them to have complete deliverance in their life not take it? That would be stupid, right? But very few do. That's why they're stuck in anger. That's why they're stuck in self. That's why they, they, they can't get ahead in life. There's something blocking the complete deliverance. Now, is deliverance only from, let's say, like addictions? Is that the only thing we need to be delivered from? No. no. Many people need to be delivered from their stewardship problem. Many people need to be delivered from their emotional hurts. Why would we as born-again people not want to walk in full deliverance if full deliverance gave me everything that I'm desiring for? See, there, there's a price. Because on a stupid level, everybody would do it. I mean, it's just a stupid question. Everybody would do it. But very few people do it. Straight as the way, narrows the path that leads... Uh, um, how's that verse go? Wide as the gate, leads to destruction, narrows the path that leads to... Is it eternal life? Okay, it leads to eternal life, but not everybody wants to walk the straight and narrow path. Why? Because there's a cost to it. It's the cost factor that messes us up. Because I want something out of it. So here Paul's saying that the Romans, uh, that Israel, that he's looking, he says, yeah, they're excited about God. They're, they're kicking and shouting a hallelujah, looking forward to going to heaven. He says, but they got no knowledge of what they're talking about. Can we be guilty of that also? Yes. Yeah, very much so. Let's look at uh, Mark chapter 5. And I'm going to show you how this works. Amen. Mark chapter 5. I went to Matthew, so let's go back here. Mark chapter 5. All right, where are we at? Is Mark 5 correct? Mark 10? Okay, let's go to Mark 10. Okay, Mark chapter 10, verse 17. And when Jesus was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him. He, does he have zeal? Yes. He's got zeal, man. He's, he's excited about seeing Jesus. And asked him, good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Now, there's going to be two things that's going to take place here. I want you to notice eternal life. That is, what do I need to do to go to heaven? All right. Then he's going to come in, we're going to, Jesus shifts it and starts talking about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the system of operation of heaven. Okay? The, the kingdom of heaven uh, would be the same as the eternal life. We're going to go to heaven. It's a place. Heaven operates under the rule and power of the kingdom of God. The system of operation, the same thing that Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, that there are some standing here that shall not die, but will see the, the kingdom of God come with power. Okay, so he's not talking about because heaven didn't come to earth. The system came to earth. The power of heaven came to earth, but not the geographic location of heaven. So there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do to, that I may inherit? Inherit eternal life. And Jesus said to him, Why callest me thou good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandment. Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear a false witness. Uh, defraud not, honor thy father and thy mother. And he answered unto, okay, verse, before we get to verse 20, I want you to see here. The answer to going to heaven was do these things. Okay, so, so let's change the conversation. If somebody came up here, Jesus, what will send me to hell? Commit adultery, kill somebody, 
Still something. Bear false witness, lie against people, defraud people, don't honor your father and mother. That'll send you to hell. So we have a hard time reconciling these facts that, that we are going to be judged based on what we do. Uh, you can give me all the fluffy stories that you got, the, the you didn't have to, the this. Uh, it, no, I, I, you, you don't understand. I had to steal that car. No, you didn't. Yeah, no, no, no. You don't understand the pressure. I, was, uh, I had to steal the car. No, you didn't. Okay. So, and Jesus answered and said unto him, Master, all these I have observed from my youth. And Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest. And in another, in another uh, of the Gospels, says, if you, if you want to be perfect, or if you want to tap into a higher level, there's one thing that you're missing if you're going to walk into this. And, uh, and he says, sell, sell whatever, whatsoever you have and give it to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, take up thy cross and follow me. And he was sad at the saying and went away grieved before he had much possession. Now, in that, in 21 and 22, the problem of wanting to follow God, or, or here, let me say it this way. There's a problem with wanting to follow God. Uh, we want to follow God, we just don't want to do it His way. God, I, I've got a better way to do this. this. This is actually the real struggle that that we all face in. So the key, verses nineteen and twenty, is Jesus saying, "Do what I say." The problem is I want to follow you, I just don't want to do what you say. Now notice what he says here in verse 23. And Jesus looked round about and said unto the disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? He shifted the conversation talking about the kingdom of God where the power and the authority operates. Now, it's easy to go to heaven. Just don't violate the, the, the word of God. Okay? But if you're going to walk in the power of heaven, now we're talking a different scenario because it's going to cost me something. And when I say the word cost, I don't just mean money. It's going to cost you your time. It's going to make you walk a, a path that you weren't planning on walking. And, and that's where we have to, to deal with this. Now, our trust determines the level of power we will walk in. How much do I trust what God says? Because you and I, it, it's a real battle. Because we, we yield to how we think, no, I've got to do this to make this happen a certain way. But all that is operating under the, the element of satisfying what I want. God says, in fact, in Matthew chapter 6, where he says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these other things will be added to you. All the other things that he was talking about was what everybody's chasing. God doesn't have a problem with stuff. Ralph read the verse in Psalms 24 and 1. Everything on this earth is God's, and he'd rather his children have it than the heathen have it. He wants you to walk in it. But he wants us to walk in it the way he said to walk in it. This is where, like the statistic I always quote, 92% of people confessing to be Christians don't tithe. They got their reasons. You can live in your reason. That's fine. But, but God said it's holy. He read the verses. It's holy. In fact, if you'd have read down a verse or two from where Ralph was reading, it says that if you want to borrow the tithe, do you know you can borrow the tithe? I, I got a crunch here and I need the money right now. God gave you provision to do it. He says, go ahead, but then bring it back with a 20% penalty. So the fifth part, but if you know your math, the fifth part is 20%. God charges a penalty. You, you're going to tell me he doesn't really think it's holy? It was actually pretty. And then, then he says that when we bring our offering to the Lord and we come up and we present it, if we got an issue with, a, with a, a brother, he says, leave the offering and go fix it and then come back and offer it. See, we think we've offered it when we brought it in. See, God's serious about these things. So when we get back, it's the cost that becomes the problem. I want to do me. I like it this way. 
I can guarantee you one thing. God's way is not going to be pleasant to you. Because it would, it would take no faith as, yes, I want to do that. Oh, that sounds great to me. That, that sounds fun. He's going to bring you into a realm that is going to require trust. Thou shalt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on him because he trusts him. It becomes a trust factor. All right. Now, John, let's go to John chapter 3. Now, you might be thinking, well, this ain't so deep, Pastor. Oh, we're getting there. <laughs> I got to lay a foundation to get your thinker right. I was talking to somebody not too, just like days, week or two, whatever, uh, not too long ago, and I asked him a question. And after about a minute of an answer, I said, stop. I said, here's the question. And I said it again. Oh, and they gave me the answer. We have a hard time hearing what God says. Because we have a hard time hearing what people say. You can talk to somebody that, that needs help. Say, okay, you're doing this part wrong. You need to change it and do it this way, and it'll probably work for you. And all they'll focus on is the wrong. Why are you dogging me yes. when you're trying to help them? We think and we bring information to the level of our thinking. And we want the word, the word of God, Isaiah 55, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, my ways are above your ways, as the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts above your thoughts. You and I can't think at the level of God. You've got to just shut up, listen, and do it. Okay? John chapter 3, because we're going someplace here, we're going to start digging, we're walking down the stair, stairwell now into the deep things. Or maybe we're walking up the stairwell into the deep things, the heaven things. John 3, verse, what are we, 34. For he whom God has sent, hang on a second. The context here is Jesus, right? But has he sent you? Okay, so this applies to you, even though the context is Jesus. For he whom God has sent speaketh the words of God. Well, if he sent you too, do you speak the words of God? Or are you speaking smack? A lot of people don't think your words matter. Life and death are in the power of the tongue, yet they don't think it matters. He whom God has sent, Jesus, speaks the word of God, the words of God. If he sent you, you need to follow a pattern here. For God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. Okay, so the Father gave Jesus the Spirit without measure. Now, what does without measure mean? There's no limit. Okay, so he that the Father has sent, Jesus, but has he sent us? Yes. yes. Has given him the Spirit without measure. Does that mean you and I have the Spirit with, without measure? Yes. Well, let me rephrase it. It means we have access to the Spirit without measure. And one qualification is he speaketh the words of God. Now, there's a, there's a key here in tapping into it. So if you're sent, if you speak God's word, we have to ask ourselves, do I have access to the spirit without measure? Now, I don't know if you could build a, a case that you don't, because I'm going to build a case that you can. But why don't we? Because we don't want to do it God's way. We got, we got to put our little twist, our little opinion, our little this, our little that, our insecurities, our, our, our little it never worked for me. I was born on the wrong tracks. I'm the wrong ethnicity. I don't have enough hair. You know, I mean, we, we come up with all kinds of things. I didn't think about me. I looked at Octavio and saw he had no hair. That's where I got the idea. Uh, then as I was saying it, I was thinking, I ain't got no hair either. Uh, so go to Matthew 28. Now, he gave him the spirit without measure. Now, what, what would be different in your life if you had access to the spirit without measure? Everything. I like that. You do. Now, you may not believe it. You may not stand in the authority of it. You may not even try to find out how. But if you're born again... You have, you're in the, you've walked through the entrance door into everything that God has prepared. 
Do you know how many people can't pray and believe in their own victory? They always need somebody else to pray with them. Isn't that an identity issue? Okay, let's go to Matthew 28. <laughs> Verse 18. Think about this. And Jesus came, what did I say, 28, 18? And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Now think about this. All power is given unto me. Now we already saw he was given the Spirit without measure. Now we see that he was given all power, all the power of the natural realm, all the power of the spirit, spiritual realm. So everything was given to him. Everything is contained now with him, correct? We don't have a problem with that, do we? Okay. So let's go to Romans chapter 8. Amen. Romans chapter 8, verse 17. If children then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Now, if we are in a, a joint heir with Christ... Would that include an heir to the Spirit of God without measure? Yes. It would have to, wouldn't it? Yes. Would that be an heir or a joint heir to all power in heaven and in earth? Yes. Well, wait a minute. If we're a joint heir with all power, access to the Spirit of God without measure, what are we stumbling at? ourselves we want to do it our way we don't want to do it God's way I think it'll work better if we do it this way now if we tie it back to the man that Jesus said sell everything you have give it to the poor this is his struggle Jesus was trying to get him into the kingdom of God now he wasn't sinning he kept all the the laws, don't kill, don't steal, don't commit adultery, don't do all these different things. All those things I've done from my youth up. Yeah, but, but if you really want to step up into this, sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Oh, I can't do that. Spend an hour in prayer. Oh, I can't do that. Study and show yourself approved. Oh, I can't do that. Yes. All right, let me get you a microphone. Uh, come to Karina. See, we, we do the exact same thing. Am I willing to pay the price to do what the Word of God says. So because he didn't command him to sell it, he told him, if you want these things, do this. Because to do what is right or whatever God tells you to do, like you said, if he tells somebody you need to give up coffee and they don't do it, it's a sin. But he wasn't commanding him. He was telling him, if you want to get into this higher realm, this is what you need to do because obviously the possessions had a hold of his heart mm -hmm. or something. So it wasn't sin right there. That's why you're saying that it wasn't keeping him out. It was just there was a bridge or or that's where I would wall. say I've heard people preach that he went to hell, that he rejected Christ. But I don't see where he rejected Christ because he followed the law. I mean, he followed the because the, we're still in the Old Testament with Jesus and the law was the you follow the law and, you know, you're right by God. But but he didn't want to tap into or take the other step. And I think all of us have that battle of we meet Jesus, we start cleaning up a little bit, but there's one level of cleanup that we don't want to step into. Does that mean you're going to hell? No. You're just, you're just not willing to walk in the fullness of everything that God wants you to walk in. Is it going? Uh, go back, Ralph. She wants you to get exercise. And um, don't chew your cut, okay? I couldn't help it. <laughs> so would this apply now, then we're not in the law, would that apply us having to wash our robe? Yeah. Well, I, I like using his story, yeah, yeah it would be a spot. I mean, because I, I don't think that, because the majority of what I preach about is not whether you're going to heaven or hell, it's how much of heaven you're going to walk in down here. Uh, because I disagree with the element that the, the, the church as a whole kind of, we, we got to get people to say the sinner's prayer so they're going to heaven. But if you're not willing to do it, then, then you're probably not going to be prepared. Uh, anyway, over here, Ralph, all the way over to Octavio. Uh, the, um, we're, we're, we're not going to do the other things. 
So going back to the rapture of the church, he's coming back after a church without spot or wrinkle. We should be getting into everything that he has for us. And we're going to see, hopefully it'll be clear as we walk through these verses, because uh, I'm going to hit a couple of other areas in that. Um, kind of going back to uh, what, what uh, Kalina said, but then also from what you just mentioned about the riches here in, on earth. Um, the rich man, in order to get into the kingdom, in order to get into heaven, uh, Jesus told him the, the rules to follow. But then he, he said, I've done all those. And then he says, to, to have the riches in heaven, treasures in heaven, he told him to do this, sell your possessions. So how did it, what happened there? Because he, he, he got into heaven because he did all the commandments except the possessions. Well, well, for him, number one, a lot of people look at this as the money situation. The money had the guy's heart. You can't, and so it doesn't have to be money. It can be football. It can be going up to the lake. Whatever gets between you and God that your your heart is attached to, you got to get, get loose. I, in fact, a book I'm reading uh, just talked about that uh, uh, it was talking about this verse in the context of going into poverty. I, I don't see him saying that because the Bible says that if you have pity on the poor, that God will repay you. He wasn't trying to get uh, this man poor. He was trying to get him free. Give him the answer of okay, so I kept these commandments. But then he says, to to have treasures in heaven, you have to give away your treasures here. Well, that's what I interpret. What is the treasure? Or, I mean, what what is the ba- say your question without giving any other narrative? Okay. To um. So he he t- he told them, goes give away your your worldly possessions. Your, okay, your, your but this isn't a question. Yet. Give it in a question. Okay. So what did it, where did it go from? Entering the kingdom of heaven, which is the first part where he did all the commandments. And the second part, he goes, if you want to store your treasures in heaven. How did it shift from entering into heaven to storing treasures in heaven? Because the kid thought he was doing everything right because he wasn't in sin. I've done all these. I'm good. Yeah, if you really want to be good, let's deal with the part now that has your heart. Because he wasn't sinning because he was rich. He was sinning because, or he was... He was in bondage to the money. He trusted in the money. And he wanted to get him free from the money. Uh, for that, but, but if we had 100 people, we could have 100 different scenarios of what am I not willing to give up to walk with Jesus? It might be time. It might be money. It might be, like I said, it could be football. No, I'm not going to put football before God. People do it all the time. They stay home from church on Super Bowl Sunday because it's more important to them to, to watch the Super Bowl than it is to, to worship God. I mean, it can be anything. So uh, I don't want to get off track here because what I'm talking about, I mean, it does bleed into it in what I'm dealing with here, is that what, what our heart is tied to is the cost. I guarantee you, any church in America, uh, the vast majority of people that are in the church um, that say they're they're looking forward to Jesus' return and want to be in the rapture church, if, like mom said, family came into town, they would stay home to stay with family because family didn't want to go to church because family is more important to them than church. Now, they wouldn't say that family is more important to me than church. They would say, I only get to see them like maybe once a year and they're here. So I'm going to put God off so that I could be with them or uh, got an opportunity to go golfing. And I don't get this opportunity all the time. So, God, you can be on hold. I'm going to go play golf or uh, I'm tired and I just need to to go do this or go do that. And uh, so, God, I don't have time for you now. And, and, you know, I said before, I'm not against vacations or anything, but I'm talking about the, the connection of the heart. Go ahead. So you're not saying that uh, they're not going to go to heaven. They're just not going to. They're not going to be able to get into the kingdom of God, like Jesus told the man that wasn't willing to give up his wealth. Yes, that's what I'm saying. I and never thought that. I never thought that uh, either. I never thought that um, the kingdom of God meant you weren't going to heaven. No, no, no. I, I didn't say the kingdom of God. You won't go to heaven. I said you're not going to get into the operation system of God. So if you look at from the standpoint, the verses we already read, if we are joint heirs and we so therefore we have access to all power 
and an un, uh, uh, how do I say, the spirit without measure. How come we're not walking around taking authority over things? Why, why does life beat Christians up so much? It's, be, it's not because they're not born again. They die, they probably, they'll go to heaven. It's because they don't know how to operate in God's system, which is the kingdom of God. Which is spending time with the Lord. That's how you're going to learn it. You're going to learn it through his words. You're going to have to spend time with the Lord. See, Nicodemus in John chapter 3 came to Jesus and said, uh, Master, we know that our teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles except God be with him. And Jesus answered him. Well, what was the question? How are you doing the miracles? Except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Or the question you're asking me about these miracles is you can't operate in this outside of the kingdom of God. So there's a and this is the problem in my perspective of how churches have taught this is that once you're born again, you're all in. But you're not all in yet. And you're still working out some details in your flesh. But, but we, we've walked through the door of salvation. Now we have access to everything. But, uh, you know, if, if you, you know, like let's say you had no place to sleep tonight and you came over to our house and we opened the door and said, come on in. And, uh, and you, you stepped into the, the house there and you, we said, come on in. So I, I'm in. Are you in? Yeah, you're in. Because you, you stepped across the, what do they call that thing? The threshold. Well, well yeah, but come on in. I'm in. Well, well, aren't you needing a place to stay? Yes, I thank you so much for letting me a place to stay. I'll just lay down right here. Well, well that's tile. We got a bed back here in the bedroom. We'll, we'll go ahead and let you stay back there. Uh, no, I'm good right here. Okay, yeah. That sounds stupid, doesn't it? But that's what Christians are doing all day long. Jesus is saying, come here. I, I, I've, what I've paid for you is so big, your mind will never comprehend it. Come on in. Okay, so, so let's keep going here. So to function, the, the battle between what we have access to and what we have to give up is the problem. And, and I'm not preaching from a position of, y'all, you know, it's, it's the same thing with me. It's, it's a people problem. It costs to walk with God because it costs to make this available. Now, you may not be willing to pay the price. You have that right and that choice. You got a spotted garment, but you still got a garment. Don't, don't be shocked when the, Jesus comes back and you miss the rapture. You weren't willing to do it. The five virgins, they kept their oil trimmed. The other five virgins, they weren't in sin. They still were virgins. They weren't spotted. They just weren't prepared. They were spotted in the sense that they had no oil. So, th so they did not get to go in. So I'm not talking about whether you're born again or not born again. I'm talking about what you're going to live in today. And the reason why I keep hitting on this is because darkness is getting darker and darker and darker and darker. And you better be able to stand against it. And you're not going to be able to stand against it based on the fact that you're born again. You're going to be able to stand against it based on the fact of who you know who you are and you have access to what he's given you. It's an authority issue. So to function in this power, there are three components that we have to adjust. I'm going to give you the three components here. You're going to have to resist the pressure of the flesh to go the easy way. That is a big problem. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Your flesh ever talk to you? Yeah. Sunday morning, I don't want to get up and I don't sleep in. But forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. As the manner of some is. Don't be part of the some. Oh. Uh, you're not coming through. In my mouth? Now you are. No. Now, in all of this that you're seeing, like with the story with the, the rich young ruler, everything boils down to our choices. Choices are powerful. They either bless you or hurt you. So, you know, when I read, read that story, Jesus was trying to make him choose the right thing mm -hmm. so that he could be blessed. He told us and on the multiple choice question, exactly. choose life. He says choose life. Choose life. Yeah. He tells but, us choose but life. But our lives are the sum total of our decisions, absolutely. Right. But our choices that we make can either bless us or curse us. Yeah. So, uh, And me, most of us powerful. are making decisions from the framework of our thinking. Yes. I was talking to somebody here not too long ago, and they told me something. I said, say what? And I said, how does that make sense? 
And then they started laughing and started, we started talking about it. They realized it didn't make sense. Uh, but the, the decision was being made from the framework of their thinking. So we've got, to, we've got to make decisions from the framework of God's thinking. Which means that, uh, number one, the three components, you're going to have to resist pressure of the flesh to go the easy way. Number two, you're going to have to resist leaning to your own understanding. It's amazing to me the number of people that don't call me. I, I had, yeah, I wasn't talking about you. Um, I had a person come to me. I, uh, I just did this thing. It cost me, uh, I was trying to do this. It went like this. Do you know anything about it? It cost me, it was several thousand dollars. Like, not two or three. I mean, like several thousand dollars. But they had already done it. They had already spent it. And I'm like, why, why didn't you ask me this question before you spent the, the money? And Well, I know you're busy. Have I ever told you that I'm busy? Yeah, it's like... Why, why it, it amazes me the number of people that make decisions on matters they know nothing about. Well, I just thought, but why would you think? You don't, know, you don't understand the subject. It's like me going out and trying to fix my, my car. Well, I just thought I could take this part off. It ain't going to work. I'm smart enough to know I don't understand engines. Hey, Peter, I got an issue with my car. What, what do you think? You know, I'm going to go to somebody that has some knowledge of the, of the subject matter that we're talking to. You know how many people don't? I, now, I don't know why I'm this way. You can ask Tammy. Even before GPS, I had no problem pulling over to gas station and say, hey, where am I? Because what matters more to me is I don't spend the next three hours driving in circles. I, I'm not that big on myself. It's like, I know I'm lost, so I don't want to stay lost. But you know, spiritually speaking, people know they're lost, but I ain't going to ask for help. Okay, number three, you're going to have to function out of your spirit based on the word. Here's a problem for many Christians. They're trying to function out of their spirit based on their mind. They're hearing voices because they've lent themselves to familiar spirits. Well, I heard God say, well, he wouldn't say that. That's not in the Bible. Well, no, but I know I heard God say, God wouldn't say that. He won't violate his word. So there's three areas. Now, these, these are not easy areas to deal with. But what am I dealing with? A joint heir of all power. If you have all power, what are you lacking? Nothing. We, we can live in this life lacking nothing. In fact, I believe there's even a verse that says that. So I'm going to have to resist the pressure of the flesh to go the easy way. I'm going to have to resist leaning to my own understanding. And I'm going to have to function out of my spirit based on the word of God. Now, let's go to Ephesians chapter. Uh, what is it? Ephesians 1, I think, is where I'm wanting to go. Amen. Ephesians 1, 11. Okay, now, you're going to have to walk with me on this. Are, are, are you with me so far? Okay, Am I, am I getting you to think out of your normal realm of thinking? All right, because if you're bringing this down into how you think, you're thinking about, well, am I saved or not saved? That's, I'm not even talking about that. All right? So Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. In whom, now who's the in whom? Jesus. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance. So, so we're, we're dealing, remember, we're joint heirs? That's part of the inheritance, Right? So we've received our inheritance. We are a joint heir with Christ, being predestinated uh, according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Now, how much of you was played into that? Zero. It's just the in whom. You've got to be inside him. Okay? Now, verse 12, that we, who's that about? Me and, uh, me and you that we should be to the praise of His glory. Now, what does praise of His glory mean? Anointing? Who said anointing? How do you get that? To the praise of His glory. Okay. Um, now, it does play in. It, it's, the way I'm asking the question, that's not the answer, but it, it all ties into the anointing. 
So it's, it's, if you are going to be to the praise of his glory, you're going to have to do it through the anointing. But what does it actually mean? Say again. Okay, so if I'm walking in the authority or the power of God, now we're seeing God, not Liz. Now my life is praising his glory, his power. Okay, now that's going to function through the anointing. So it wasn't a wrong answer. It was just in the, the way that I'm asking the question and trying to go. So I am to be, I am to live a life that is a praise of his glory. Now, in, I know this, this statement can go positive or negative, but I mean it in a positive light. You're just like your dad. Okay, so, so what I'm saying is, those, and I'm talking about from the, because it could be a bad thing to hear, um, but, but I'm talking about it on the good side. It's like, man, that characteristic of your dad that he is so well known for, you're just a spitting image of him. Okay, that means you're being to the praise of his glory. Okay, so I should live a life that should be to the praise of his glory. I should have power. Now, he's got all power, and he's, he's, he has an unlimited access uh, to, the, to the Spirit of God that's without measure. And they beheld the glory of the only begotten of the Father. That's John chapter 1, I think, verse 12. And, um, and so you and I should live at that realm. Now, if I'm living at that realm, what has to happen... Now, we know it's power, but, but let's bring it down, chunk it down to everyday living. What has to happen for that to manifest? Okay, you're telling me how to get there. You're, you're right. You're gonna, this is the, the cost factor of how I'm going to get there. But if the praise of his glory is manifesting, what happened in my life for it to manifest? Okay, authority and power, yes. But, but what has to happen? Let, let's not make it some, okay, yeah, i got to walk in authority and power. What does it mean? Well, the verse said about speak of God. Like everything you say is a, a word of God. Okay, you're going to speak, and going back to the verses we just talked about, that Jesus spoke the, the words of God. So number one, your conversation is not going to be about inflation. It's going to be about God's provision. And then you're going to live the same way. So if you're afraid, are you living to the praise of his glory? If all you're talking about is the problems, are you living to the praise of his glory? If everything that comes against you, you beat it, are you living to the praise of his glory? See, that power, like Liz said, walking in that power and walking in that authority actually manifests somewhere. Most people can't even say no to somebody. And they definitely can't say no to self. Have you ever done something and you said to yourself before you did it, I know I shouldn't do this, but you didn't have the ability to say no to yourself? And yet you still think you're all that? Pastor, do you think that, um, I know we have all, well, we have all that authority, but could God be kind of holding it back because of our mat the maturity? Well, the, we no, I think you've got the, yeah. your, your phraseology wrong. Okay. He's given us access to all authority. He, he hasn't given us all authority. He's given us access yes. to it. Okay. Our immaturity or our lack of development or our inability to control the flesh, the mind, or the spirit is what's keeping us out of it. He's not holding us back. If he's holding us back or holding back, then he's a liar. Because okay. he said he's given it to us. Because I was saying it could be like if we still are living in the flesh, it could be like the disciples that said, well, let's call fire down and burn them in, you know, like Elijah. And he said, you don't know what's going But are you going to walk in the spirit if you're living in the flesh? No. That's Thank you. Not what I'm saying. Uh, yeah. Th but see, that comes back. That's the point of it is are we willing to pay the price to walk in it? And, and the price is high. But I, I, the point I'm trying to drive home is... What do we have access to? Now, let's go back to verse 12. That we should be to the praise of his glory. Watch this. Who, now, if you're, reading a King, if you're reading a version other than the King James, look up at me. Okay, because most versions mess this verse up. It says that we should walk into the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. Now we come back to the anointing. So Jesus was the first one 
to trust in Christ. You say, well, he was Christ. He was the anointed one. How was he the anointed one? He trusted in Christ or he trusted in the anointing. What would they call you if you trusted in the anointing? They might call you Christ. Not that you're trying to go there, but Christ means anointed one. They, in Antioch, they first called them Christ ones, Christians. That's what it means, Christ ones, anointed ones. Shouldn't they be calling us Christians? But, but like in the real context, anointed ones. But if we can't beat having access to all power and all authority, if we can't beat the obstacle in front of us, how are we going to reveal the glory of God? I've said it before uh, with people in churches calling themselves Christians. There's many people on antidepressants uh, as there is outside the church. And it's at alarming rates now. What's there to be depressed about if you know Christ? All right. So you still with me? Go to Colossians chapter one. Now, that first trusting Christ was trusting in the spirit without measure. Okay, now go to verse 18, Colossians 1.18. He is the head of the body. Okay, so I'm going I'm to show you here the secret of you. All right? He is the head of the body. The church. So the body of Christ is the church. Okay, now, if, if you think about this in the context, he is the head. He is the one who had the spirit without measure. He is the one that all things, all, all power was given to him, both in heaven and earth. He is the head and we are the body. Can you see now that forsake not the assembling of yourselves together is not about going to church. It's about being the body. It's, it's not a religious statement. You better go to church so we can give you a pin that you didn't miss any services or anything like that. We should want to be the body of which he is the head of because now I have access to the spirit without measure. I trust in the anointing which flows through his body. So let's go back. So he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning. Now, That word beginning means beginning, but it also means ruler. Okay, so you need it because we, we can easily read over this. He is the head of the body of the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That word means from the original uh, Greek, I looked at the beginning or origin, the person thing that commences the first in a series, the leader that by which anything began to be the origin, the active cause. So he, the head, is the beginning of this whole thing, which we could go back to Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. He says, uh, I will build my church, I will construct my body, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's a power statement. See, what, what's, how did I lay out the foundation? We want this stuff, we just don't want to do it God's way. That's why the Bible doesn't say in Hebrews, um, don't forget to go to church, as the manner of some is. It says to forsake not assembling. You've you got to be a part of, not, not a gatherer. Now, the, uh, another definition, the first place, principality, ruler, magistrate. So all the fullness of God dwells in him, according to Colossians 2.9. But if all in he is the head of the body, is the head connected to the body? So if he's the fullness of the Godhead bodily, what should we be? Which would be the spirit of God without measure, which would access to all power and all authority. But if I'm not part of the body, see, he says, I'm coming back after my church. I'm going to present to me a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. The body is not everybody that says that they're a Christian. The body. Now, again, I'm not talking about whether you go to heaven or hell. I'm talking about whether you're in the rapture or not in the rapture. 
the body is the part that went the distance. Does going the distance make sense? See, we all have that choice because there's a cost involved in it. How far do I want to walk? How far do I want? Now, if you're willing to go the distance, what, what he's saying here is, on this earth, I've overcome the world. Greater is he that is in you than he is in the world. That verse, I don't really see it working for everybody. They have him within, but, they, but they're, they're blocked either in their mind or in their flesh or in their spirit. And he's saying that we should walk in everything. Now, the reference in this verse, uh, and he is the head, is Jesus. But the context is the church, the body. He's talking about us. Does, does that make sense on 18? He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the first, that in all things he might have preeminence. So Jesus, the head, wants to have preeminence but how does he want to have preeminence? Through his body, which is us, who he needs assembled. Okay? Verse 19. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. So God was pleased that the fullness of God would dwell... Uh, or would dwell in Jesus, which was the, he would have access to the spirit without measure, but it also pleased him to give it to the body. I'll read verse 19 again. You guys are, For it pleased the father that in him should dwell all fullness. He is the head of the body. You can't separate the two things. So if you go back into the context of, I'm trying to get Jesus to do something, to answer my prayer. You're messed up. He's, he's given you all power. You have access to the Spirit without measure. You need to walk in the authority to be able to overcome what is coming against you. Okay, just one more here. Well, actually, before we go, look at verse 15. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? He wants to, if we go back to Psalms and it says that God, what, who are, what is man that you're mindful of him, who you create to be a little lower than Elohim, a little lower than God. He wants us walking around with access to the spirit without measure that has all power in it because I'm a joint heir with him. I am the body of Christ. But we're not the church if we're, if we're doing it our way. Now, again, are you with me? I'm not talking about whether you're, say, you're, you're born again or not born again. I'm talking about how we live on this earth. People are so perplexed with their money. People are so perplexed with their time. People are so perplexed with all these natural uh, elements. And, and he's given us all, all power over it. So let me close here. Go back to Ephesians chapter 1. We'll close here. I promise. Even though I, I'm like really liking this and want to keep preaching on it. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 23. which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So if the other verses weren't clear enough, the body is the fullness of him that fills everything. Remember I said, I'm going to tell you who you are, or who you can be at least. But are you, are you willing to walk in it? That's the church. Now let's go back to verse 19 and read up to 23. Which, uh, what is exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe? He's not talking about Jesus there, is he? He's talking about us who believe. According to the working of his mighty power. You and I can live in the working of his mighty power. Which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality, power, might, dominion, every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. This is why I said on Sunday, quit fighting the devil. He's defeated. See, people who fight the devil in prayer are people who don't understand who they are in Christ. They don't understand what Christ has done. They don't understand how to operate in the things of Christ because they're still trying to beat him, and they actually think they're more spiritual because they're fighting the devil. Oh, the devil's attacking me. Quit praising him. He may be attacking you. Don't give him credit for it. Praise God for the victory that you're going to walk in. 
and has put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that uh, filleth all in all. Here's, and, and uh, uh, you remember Jesus said in, the other, in another verse, he says, the things that I do, you will do also. Greater things than these shall you do. Let's stand. Got to not yield to the flesh. You got to not yield to your own way of thinking. And you gotta not, or you gotta operate out of the spirit based on the word of God. Um, I, I guess I don't know how many be honest and seems like, man, I just don't know if I can get there. I mean, that like just that sounds like nobody. Y'all good? Be, because I struggle with it. I mean, do you, ever, do you ever look at the walking in the things of God and say, man, you didn't hear me? Well, my question was, how many, when I talk about things like this, it's like, oh my, my goodness, I don't know if I could ever get there. Mm-hmm. It sounds too hard. But see, that's what grace is for. He gives us the power to do what he said. It's not about us. It's really, it's, it's, it's simple, but it's not easy. You just got to die to self. Now, that's simple. I just got to quit chasing my own wants. Okay, that's simple. Now try to do it. It's not easy. Okay, but if you desire to walk in it, the Spirit will give you the power to do it. And and I think the the road ahead kind of scares people because there's things I know God's dealt with me and it's kind of scared me because I know David like inside and out. And I, I, I've often said the only problem I've got is David. And I know David can be problematic. But God's paid the way through Jesus so that you and I can do it. The enemy is going to try to come in and create a fear. That Have you ever been in a situation that you step, step back and you just thought, I have no idea what to do? You do, because you have all power and authority. See, we've trained ourselves to think this natural way, and there's things that we don't understand. I get that. We, we don't know everything, but were we not given the mind of Christ? Yeah. See, Adam, you guys remember the university that Adam went to? Oh, he didn't go to a university? God breathed through his nostrils, and he started naming all the animals. He's really long, you know, the real technical names. How did he know to do that? See, he didn't go to the school of zoology or, you know, whatever the degree would be that would make somebody smart enough to do that kind of stuff. He discerned. Do you know, it's really, it, to discern, it's getting quiet and getting before the Lord. But it's easy to say, I don't know how to do that. I don't know what to do. I remember we were, there, we were doing some construction. How many know I'm not good at construction? <laughs> you, don't, you don't want me working on your house. And we were standing around and they were doing it, and I was just looking at it thinking, this don't make sense what they're doing. There's got to be a better way. And all of a sudden I said, uh, wouldn't it be, couldn't you like just drill a, it was a puddling of water. I said, Could, well, couldn't you just drill a hole right there? There's a drain right there. If you put a hole right there, all that water would like go in there because of gravity. This is real deep science stuff, right? And the person working on it, who knows a lot more than me, said, that's brilliant. Yes, we could do that. And they fixed it like in just a few minutes. Well, I didn't get that because I know construction because I don't know construction. I'm dense when it comes to, to building things and I don't have the patience for it. But what can you not discern if you can discern? What if instead of panicking, I can slow down and just listen to God. See, because I have access to all power and the spirit without measure. Do you think the spirit of God knows how to answer that, that problem? But I, I'm just so, I'm just so, I don't know how to do this. You don't need to. God needs to. And I, I guarantee you he does. 
So if I can tap into the power of God, I can tap, in, tap into the knowledge of God. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, for your word. Lord, open the eyes of our understanding, God, that we, we, we can understand. We can understand how this system works. You, you didn't make it to be hard on us. We just have to get over ourselves. We, we, we don't want to give Satan any place in our life. Our, the words of our mouth, they're life and death. If we've got no discipline to say no to ourselves, to make a decision beyond our current feelings, we're, we're going to struggle in this in these days ahead. But God, I pray that you would open the eyes of our understanding, make us hungry, God, to get out of our, our sins, out of our destruction. Lord, I, I just ask that if you want, pray with me if you want to. Lord, forgive us of all of our, our sins, God, the things that we've done wrong. We, we know that you're right. And we know we can get stuck on stupid. Lord, forgive us of everything, God, that's come out of our mouth. Lord, the thoughts that we've entertained, the things that our feet have ran to, the things that our hands have reached for to grab, God, to deliver us, God, from this body of sin. We ask you to forgive us, Lord, of all unrighteousness. We acknowledge right now that you are Lord. You know all things. We've just got to learn how to, how to listen to you. Help us to do that. Show us when we're getting in our own thinking. God, and help us get out of this. Lord, in the name of Jesus, as we leave tonight, give your angels charge over us. Psalms 91, no harm, no danger comes upon us. In Jesus' name.